Hi there, I'm Rene Schwartz, and welcome to Moonlight Productions' versions of The World's Best Fairy Tales. This series is for listeners both young and old, and features stories from the Grimm's Brothers, Hans Christian Andersen, Arabian Nights, and some of the best classic tales. An old Punjabi tale from the Andrew Lang collection. Five wise words. Once there lived a handsome young man named Ram Singh, who though a favorite with everyone was unhappy because he had a sharp-tongued, nagging stepmother. All day long she went on talking until the youth was so distracted he determined to go away and seek his fortune. No sooner had he decided to leave his home than he made his plans, and the very next morning he started off with a few clothes wrapped in a bundle and a little money in his pocket. But there was one person in the village to whom the young man wished to say goodbye, and that was a wise old guru, or teacher, who had taught him a great deal. So he turned his face first of all toward his master's hut, and before the sun was well up, was knocking at his door. The old man received the pupil affectionately, but he was wise in reading faces, and saw at once that the youth was troubled. My son, he said quietly, what is the matter? Nothing, father, replied the young man, but I have determined to go out into the world and seek my fortune. Be advised, said the guru, and remain in your father's house. It is better to have half a loaf at home than to seek a whole one in distant countries. But Ram Singh was in no mood to heed such advice, and very soon the old man ceased to press him. Well, he said at last, if your mind is made up, I suppose you must have your way. But listen carefully, and remember five parting counsels which I will give you. If you keep these, no evil shall befall you. First, always obey without question the orders of him whose service you enter. Second, never speak harshly or unkindly to anyone. Third, never lie. Fourth, never try to appear the equal of those above you in station. And fifth, wherever you go, if you meet those who read or teach from the holy books, stay and listen, if but for a few minutes, that you may be strengthened in the path of duty. Then Ram Singh started out upon his journey, promising to bear in mind the old man's words. After some days he came to a great city. He had spent all the money he had brought with him, and therefore resolved to look for work, however humble it might be. Catching sight of a prosperous-looking merchant standing in front of a grain shop, Ram Singh asked whether he could give him anything to do. The merchant gazed at him so long, the young man began to lose heart. But at length, the merchant answered him, Yes, of course, there is a place waiting for you. What do you mean? asked Ram Singh. Why, replied the other, yesterday our Raja's chief wazir dismissed his body servant and is looking for another. Now you are just the sort of person he needs, for you are young and tall and handsome. I advise you to apply there. Thanking the merchant for his advice, the young man set out at once for the wazir's house. On account of his good looks and appearance, he was engaged as the great man's servant. One day, soon after this, the Raja started out on a journey, and his chief wazir accompanied him. 
With them was an army of servants and attendants, soldiers, muleteers, camel drivers, merchants with grain and stores for man and beast, singers to make entertainment along the way, and musicians to accompany them. Besides elephants, camels, horses, mules, ponies, donkeys, goats and carts, and wagons of every kind and description. The caravan seemed more like a large town on the march than anything else. Thus they traveled till they entered a country that was like a sea of sand, where the swirling dust floated in clouds, and men and beasts were half choked by it. Toward the close of day they came to a village, and the headmen hurried out to salute the Raja and to pay him their respects, but they soon began, with very long and serious faces, to explain that while they and all they had were of course at the disposal of the Raja, the coming of so large a company had put them into a dreadful difficulty. They had neither a well nor a spring in their country, and so had no water to give drink to such an army of men and beasts. Great fear fell upon the caravan at the words of the headman, but the Raja merely told the wazir that he must get water somehow, and that settled the matter as far as he was concerned. The wazir sent off in haste for all the oldest men in the town and began to question them as to whether there were any wells in the neighborhood. The men all looked helplessly at each other and said nothing, but at length one old greybeard replied, Truly so, wazir. There is within a mile or two of this village a well which some former king made hundreds of years ago. It is, as they say, great and inexhaustible, covered by heavy stonework, with a long flight of steps leading down to the water in the very bowels of the earth. But no man ever dares to go near it, because it is haunted by evil spirits, and it is known that whosoever disappears down the well shall never be seen again. The wazir stroked his beard and considered a moment. Then he turned to Ram Singh, who stood behind his chair. There is a proverb, he said, that no man can be trusted until he has been tried. Go you and get the Raja and his people water from this well. Then there flashed into Ram Singh's mind the first counsel of the old guru. Always obey without question the order of him whose service you enter. So he replied at once that he was ready and left to prepare for his adventure. He fastened two great brass vessels to a mule, two lesser ones he bound upon his shoulders, and thus provided he set out with the old villager for his guide. In a short time they came within sight of a spot where some big trees towered above the barren country, while in their shadow lay the dome of an ancient building. This the guide pointed out as the well. But he excused himself from going farther, saying he was an old man and tired, and it was already sunset. So. Ram Singh bade him farewell and went on alone. Arriving at the trees, Ram Singh tied up his mule, lifted the two large vessels down, and having found the opening of the well, descended a flight of stairs into the darkness. The steps were broad white slabs of alabaster which gleamed in the shadows as he went lower and lower. All was very silent. Even the sound of his bare feet upon the steps seemed to wake an echo in that lonely place, and when one of the vessels he was carrying fell, it clanged so loudly that he jumped. 
Still he went on until at last he reached a wide pool of sweet water, where he washed his jars with care, then filled them and began to remount the steps carrying the lighter vessels. The big ones were so heavy that he could only take up one at a time. Suddenly, something moved, and above him he saw a great giant standing on the stairway. In one hand, the giant clasped to his heart a dreadful-looking mass of bones. In the other was a lamp which cast long shadows about the walls and made him seem even more terrible than he really was. What think you, O mortal, said the giant, of my fair and lovely wife? He held the light toward the bones in his arms and looked lovingly at them. Now this poor giant had had a very beautiful wife whom he loved dearly. But when he died, he refused to believe in her death and always carried her about even long after she had become nothing but bones. Ram Singh, of course, did not know of this, but there came to his mind the second wise saying of the Guru, which forbade him to speak harshly or inconsiderately to others. So he replied, Truly, sir, I am sure you could nowhere find such another. Ah, what eyes you have! cried the delighted giant. You at least can see. I do not know how often I have slain those who insulted her by saying she was but dried bones. You are a fine young man and I will help you. So saying, he laid down the bones with great tenderness and snatching up the huge brass vessels, carried them up and put them on the mule with such ease that it was all done by the time Ram Singh had reached the open air with the smaller jars. Now, said the giant, you have pleased me, and you may ask of me one favor. Whatever you wish, I will do for you. Perhaps you would like me to show you where lies buried the treasure of dead kings? He added eagerly. But Ram Singh shook his head at the mention of the buried wealth. The favor I would ask, said he, is that you will leave off haunting this well, so men may freely go in and out to obtain water. Perhaps the giant expected some favor more difficult to grant, for his face brightened, and he promised to depart at once. As Ram Singh went off through the gathering darkness with his precious burden of water, he beheld the giant striding away with the bones of his dead wife in his arms. Great was the wonder and rejoicing in the camp when Ram Singh returned with the water. He said nothing about his adventure with the giant, but merely told the Raja there was nothing to prevent the well from being used, and used it was, and nobody ever saw any more of the giant. The Raja was so pleased with the bearing of Ram Singh that he ordered the wazir to give the young man to him in exchange for one of his own servants. So Ram Singh became Raja's attendant, and, as the days went by, the Raja became more and more delighted with the youth because, being ever mindful of the old guru's third counsel, he was always honest and spoke the truth. He grew in favor rapidly, until at last the Raja made him his treasure, and thus he reached a high place in the court and had wealth and power in his hands. Unluckily, the Raja had a brother who was a very bad man. His brother thought that if he could win the young treasurer over to his side, he might by this means manage to steal, little by little, as much of the Raja's treasure as he needed. Then, with the money, he could bribe the soldiers and some of the Raja's counselors to dethrone him and kill his brother, and he would reign himself. 
He was too wary, of course, to tell Ram Singh of these wicked plans, but he began by flattering him whenever he saw him, and at last he offered him his daughter in marriage. But Ram Singh remembered the fourth counsel of the old guru, never to try to appear the equal of those above him in station. Therefore, he respectfully declined the great honor of marrying a princess. The prince, thwarted at the very beginning of his enterprise, was furious. He determined to bring about Ram Singh's ruin, and he told the Raja that his treasurer had spoken insulting words about his sovereign and also about the princess. What these words were, nobody knew. And as the story was not true, the wicked prince did not know either. But the Raja grew very angry and red in the face as he listened and declared that until Ram Singh's head was cut off, neither he nor the princess nor his brother eat or drink. But, the Raja added, I do not wish anyone to know that this was done by my desire and anyone who mentions the subject will be severely punished. And with this, the prince was forced to be content. Then the Raja sent for an officer of his guard and told him to take some soldiers and ride at once to a tower outside of town. If anyone came to inquire when the building was going to be finished or asked any other questions about it, the officer must chop his head off and bring it to him. As for the body, that should be buried on the spot. The old officer thought these instructions rather odd, but it was no business of his, so he saluted and went off to do his master's bidding. Early in the morning, the Raja, who had not slept all night, sent for Ram Singh. He bade him go to the new hunting tower and ask people there how it was getting on and when it was going to be finished, and then to hurry back with the answer. Away went Ram Singh upon his errand, but on the road, as he was passing a little temple on the outskirts of the city, he heard someone inside reading aloud. Remembering the Guru's fifth counsel, he stepped inside and sat down to listen. He did not mean to stay long, but became so interested in the wisdom of the teacher that he sat and sat while the sun rose higher and higher. In the meantime, the wicked prince, who dared not disobey the Raja's command, was feeling very hungry, and the princess was quietly crying in a corner, waiting for the news of Ram Singh's death, so that she might eat her breakfast. Hours passed, and stare as he might from the window, the prince could see no messenger. At last he could not bear it any longer, and, hastily disguising himself so that no one should recognize him, he jumped on a horse and galloped out to the hunting tower where the Raja had told him the execution was to take place. But when he arrived, there were only some men engaged in building and a number of soldiers idly watching them. He forgot that he had disguised himself and that no one would know him, and he cried out, now then, you men, why are you idling about here instead of finishing what you came to do? When is this to be done? At his words, the soldiers looked at the commanding officer who was standing a little apart from the rest. Unnoticed by the prince, he made a slight sign and sword flashed in the sun and off flew a head to the ground beneath. As part of the prince's disguise had been a thick beard, the men did not recognize the dead man as the Raja's brother. They wrapped the head in a cloth and buried his body as their commander had bade them. When this was ended, the officer took the cloth and rode off in the direction of the palace. Meanwhile, 
The Raja came home from his council and to his great surprise found neither head nor brother awaiting him. As time passed, he became uneasy and thought he had better go and see what the matter was. So ordering his horse, he rode off alone. Just as the Raja came near the temple where Ram Singh still sat, the young treasurer, hearing the sound of a horse's hooves, looked over his shoulder and saw that the rider was the Raja himself. Feeling much ashamed for having forgotten his errand, he jumped up and hurried out to meet his master, who reined in his horse and seemed very surprised, as indeed he was, to see him. At that moment, the officer arrived carrying his parcel. He saluted the Raja gravely and dismounting, laid the bundle in the road and began to undo the wrappings while the Raja watched him with wonder and amazement. When the last string was undone and the head of his brother was displayed to his view, the Raja sprang from his horse and caught the officer by the arm. As soon as he could speak, he questioned the man as to what had occurred and little by little, a dark suspicion grew. Then telling the soldier he had done well, the Raja drew Ram Singh to one side, and in a few minutes learned from him how, in attending to the Guru's counsel, he had delayed in doing his ruler's bidding. In the end, the Raja found proof of his dead brother's treachery, and Ram Singh established his innocence and integrity. He continued to serve the Raja for many years with unswerving fidelity, married a maiden of his own rank with whom he lived happily, and died honored and loved by all men. Sons were born to him, and in time, to them also he taught the five wise sayings of the old Guru.